The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. What's going on, everybody? Eric Franson and the streaking I.J. Salveson. <laughs> streaking into the studio. That's what I'm talking about. Clothes are still on, everybody. Don't worry. Streaking I.J. I was... I was... You were just yakking it up down the hallway. Huh? Yo, what's going on, what's everybody? What's going on? Hey, I don't have a show till 4 o'clock, so I'm good. Let's chat. I'm missing a big shot. No, no. Mr. A.J. Salveson. I am not a big shot in this place. <laughs> Excuse me, the ringmaster. I have found out very quickly. Referred to me by my proper name. <laughs> <laughs> Man, our text line was awesome. Holy smokes, I missed a bunch of great conversations, it looks like. Yeah, it was active last oh, night. Oh, man, our listeners are great, dude. Look at all this stuff. I love it. Had a lot of good feedback last night uh, during the show. And that always makes our life more entertaining. Yes, it Love does. Love to get the reactions from our listeners. Absolutely. Hey, speaking of which, I want to get to one more thing. So, yesterday we were talking about the whole Hall of Fame quarterback conversation, right? Yes. Um, And, and someone, Taco Bell Aggie, sent me a really, really good tweet. I wanted to read this. He says, and we were talking about Eli and Rivers, and he says, Eli cried his way out of San Diego. If Rivers played in New York, he has two-plus Super Bowls and is a first ballot Hall of Famer. If the Chargers were even a halfway decent organization, they would have won something with Drew Brees and not, have, and not let him walk. Give me Rivers over Eli any day. Speaking of which, he retired this morning, right? Yeah, announced his retirement. You surprised? No. Me neither. No. I mean, he had a decent season in Indianapolis. Yeah. But... Yeah. I just, you know, it's, I still, I'll never forget when he played my Patriots in 07 in the AFC Championship game with a torn ACL. And, and actually played pretty darn well. And remember in that game, LaDalian Tomlinson, I think it was like in the second quarter, had a carry and then didn't play the rest of the game. He wasn't injured. It was a coach's decision, but they sat their best running back, one of their best playmakers out for the rest of the game. So it was on Phillip the whole entire way. Um, Great point by Taco Bell Aggie. I, I love that tweet. So, uh, thank you. That was well. Uh, well now that uh, that Philip Rivers has announced his retirement, there seems to be a growing chorus among Steelers fans saying it's Ben's time to do the same. Mm. Ben Roethlisberger's time. So, because they came out of the same draft class, um, but Roethlisberger looked good earlier in the year. Just that team just collapsed. Yeah. Over the last month. Yeah. Yeah, pretty badly, too. Uh, and, and there was some blame, I think, on Ben for not – I mean, he just looked bad. I mean, he was making bad decisions, making bad reads. What was uh, it, four turnovers in the first quarter against Cleveland? Was it first quarter or first half? Maybe have been first half. And, but by but way, I know there were, a lot of those were They were, were all in the bad quarter. turnovers, though. I mean, it was just bad throws and, and not good decision-making. Um. Yeah, Big Ben, he retires, right? You think it's over for him? I don't know. He's got to retire. Like, he's got nothing left. I'm watching him throw a football. It's, it's a duck. He missed most of last year. Mm-hmm. 
came back, was looking good. I mean, mm-hmm. he had his team going. Um, I don't know. Came out of that 2004 draft class. Was it 04? Yeah, it was 04, huh? Because and do you remember? Uh, he gave the Patriots their first loss in like 21 games. It was on Halloween night. I mean, they beat the crap out of New England that night too, in 04. So yeah, I and they. I think he hadn't lost a start. I uh, from his senior year into like the first 12 or 13 games of that season, he didn't lose a game. And then they lost one, and then they got the Patriots in the AFC Championship in Pittsburgh, and then Tom Brady beat them. Um, yeah, Big Ben was a good quarterback. Was. I, I underline and capitalize those letters and that word. So, yeah. Yeah, so Phillip Rivers, he's done. It, good for it, him, though. It, we, uh, we were debating this yesterday, but now that it's official that he's retiring, is he a Hall of Fame quarterback? No. And this was brought up uh, last night after you left. Is Tony Romo a Hall of Fame quarterback? No. What would what would Tony Romo's resume be to be put him in the Hall of Fame? I mean, that would be did, my point exactly. He dated Jessica Simpson. <laughs> now, I mean, in the NFL dating Hall of Fame, that definitely gets you in first round ballot. Um, was he a dynamic quarterback? Yeah. Was he fun to watch? Yeah. He was quirky. He was like a Brett Favre quirky. Yeah. But without the records in the Super but Bowl wins. what did he do in the postseason? Yeah. I mean, he mishandled the snap against Seattle in 06. He, they choked to the Giants in 07 at home. That Giants team was on a roll, though. They were sizzling. Hey, you know, I've always found it interesting. The most dangerous teams, I mean, we found out this with Wyoming in college basketball in the Mountain West Tournament last year. The most dangerous teams are the ones you just don't see coming, right? Like in a horror movie, it's the one, it's the killer that you never expected. And then like, <laughs> okay, okay, well, no, 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 and, and bear with me here. I'm going, I'm getting there. But, <laughs> but uh, Eli Manning, 07 in the Giants, dude, they had to claw their way just to get into the wild card spot uh, and end up getting some help in week 17 to get in and then beat the Packers on the road, the Cowboys, sorry, the Cowboys on the road, the Packers on the road. And they played one more team and then beat them on the road and got to the Super Bowl. Did it again in 2012, where they had to claw their way in. And then they beat, I think it was the Cowboys. And then they ended up beating the Niners in the NFC Championship game in a wild one. Um, it's always like these teams that come in that you're like, okay, well, they're going to be one and done. And what do you know? They're in the Super Bowl. They're in the AFC or NFC Championship game. If you, it's not about playing your best football all year long. It's about getting hot at the right time. Like Wyoming last year, they were supposed to be out. I mean, that was supposed to be a blowout in the first one. But what do you know? They're playing the Yankees in the semifinal. In fact, they they actually lead in the second half. At one point, it was like a one or two point lead, and then Merrill and Keta got things back to where it should be, and Aggies Aggies got out of there with a win. But it's always about sizzling at the right time. And I, I think Romo never took advantage of that. Rivers was good. He just ran into a uh, Rivers ran into a, like a chainsaw called the Patriots, um, or I think they had a couple of. Uh, was he there? He was there in 06. You know the 06 loss against uh, the Patriots in the divisional round too. And a prime Ladainian Tomlinson. I mean they were loaded with talent and they couldn't beat New England. That one's probably going to sting Rivers the most. 
in his career in regards to playoff losses. So is is Rivers a, a Hall of Famer? His resume would say no. Same thing for Tony Romo. But if I had to bet between the two, I'd say Rivers would get it over Romo. Big bets of longevity. Um, I don't know. Maybe just looking at pure production, and again, that's without any major playoff wins. I mean, neither of them went to a Super Bowl. I'll have to look at how many playoff games they played in together or combined, and not neither of them were in a Super Bowl. That's that's tough to swallow if you're Rivers or Romo because they have some talented teams too. They just played bad at the wrong time. Uh, 2776 texts in. Couldn't have been that great. I didn't participate. Uh, you know what? That's actually kind of interesting. I was, I think it was like one point yesterday during the 4 o'clock hour. I was kind of like, you know, I haven't heard from uh, our guy AK. So, uh, yeah, it's good to hear from him today. Man, you got some great text messages. I don't know what your conversations were, but these are awesome. <laughs> Liddell Anderson? Nice. Yeah, so we were Help talking that about, uh, that was Monday's conversation, right, about how Utah State hasn't done anything to formally recognize Stu Morrow. Oh, Either okay, it's like yeah. Name the court after him yeah. or statue or put his name somewhere on a building. And uh, we had some people texting and say, hey, what about Liddell Anderson? He had a great career at Utah State. In fact, uh, this came after the show, so I didn't see this until today. Sure. Uh, 8968. Uh, Liddell Anderson left the Aggies to coach the Utah Stars of the ABA, then became our athletic director, then the coach at the Y. This I give him a lot of crap for. <laughs> and I, I, because I was wondering, is the reason we don't often talk about and celebrate Liddell Anderson is because he wound up at BYU. Does that taint oh, his that legacy a little in bit? Aggie minds? Hey, let me ask you, what should happen? F- and I think I know the answer to this. What should happen first? J.C. Carroll, speaking of being honored, J.C. Carroll's jersey in the rafters or whatever that is in the rafters in the you know upper area or Stu Morrill's court. Because J.C. helped, like, I mean, I mean, what J.C. What do did I think for this should program. happen or what do I think will happen? Yes. I think it's more likely that J.C. Carroll's jersey will be there first because it'll be less political. Political? Help me here. Because uh, depending on who the current head coach is, it may be uh, viewed as a bit of a slap. I don't think so. That, look, we're remembering somebody else's legacy while I'm here trying to build my own legacy. Well, then why did we have an Aggie throwback night last year? And we honored two teams. And I think we're, I think, I hope, maybe if the marketing team's listening, they can help me yeah, out re- here. Reunions are great. And we honored those. Yes, reunions are great. But putting something permanent under your feet that you're trying to to do something with, that might be... I don't know that Craig Smith would get upset about it. I don't think he would. I think he'd appreciate it. Cause he, cause I would hope he we would. We all know, and, and we've, all, hope we've all listened to Craig Smith say his favorite subject is history, right? I, I'm just saying, it might be viewed by some. Uh-huh. I'm not trying to say who it would yeah, be viewed yeah, by, oh, but yeah, it might I got be viewed you. by I got some you. I got as, as, as political and, and maybe upsetting some people. Who well, those people perfect. need to check themselves before they wreck themselves. <laughs> I'm serious. Like, that is Stu Morrill. That guy brought Aggie basketball to an incredible level that I don't think a lot of us... I mean, I was too young at the point in time when he first started. But I think in the later years when I would talk to Al, um, and now when I listen to... You know, I, I heard you guys on the full court press back in back in the day, and, and uh, 
just the appreciation of what Stu did. You know, and we, I remember the throwback uh, interviews we had last year with Spence, Spencer Nilsson, Marcus Saxon, um, uh, Gary Wilkinson, and those guys would talk about Stu as just more of a, I mean, more than just a coach, as an appreciation figure that in so many ways. And I think, I mean, that'd be crazy if someone had some kind of a spite that we would honor him. That just would blow my doggone mind, and that would I'd tell him to get out. Go to go to the Y and go hang out there then, because this is this is Stu Morrill's house. Well, and I was going to ask. And I know you're in those tunnels um, more than I am, uh, or have ever been. But um, I, I I'd heard that there used to be some pictures down there with Stu Morrill and some of the old Aggie players, and those all got removed. Uh, when the Craig old Ag- Smith came in. So yeah, this is uh, yeah uh, the old Aggie players were there. Uh, J C Carroll's there. Tony Brown's there. There's no photo of Sam. Um, Ty Wesley, I think, is in there, if I remember right. Um, and there's one more, Big Blue. And that's on the men's side. The women's side has some photos as well. Gymnast- gymnastics, I think, of volleyball and uh, basketball, too. There is no Stu Morrill photos in there. No. That'd be correct. Which is odd. I still named the dog on court after him, though. I mean, honor. I mean, and 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 again, like I think it'd be cool, you know. And I don't know, back to back years, you you honor Stu Morrill, and then you honor JC, and then maybe you honor Sam. You know, I mean, just you know, I have these appreciations for these, and, and I'm sure they will. I honestly, I I think they will. But yeah, do those on nights where you know you need a good emotional night? Yeah. You like know, the depending Boise on like State, the, the opponent, I, like the Boise in. State one was really good last year. I I did feel bad for Tim Durier actually that he had to be there that night when we were doing this like whole honor thing and Coach Durier sitting on the other side of the Boise State and I remember saying hi to him and um you know I was just like how you doing he goes I just can't wait for the night to be over <laughs> and I was like oh shoot man I'm sorry and he goes hey it's it's it is what it and he was so so respectful and so classy about it and I. Um, always appreciated Coach Durier about that, but yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe when San Diego State comes here, honestly, I think would be a great time to do it. Um, and and when we know we can get fans in the stands, another ten thousand five hundred pack standing room only, absolutely, I would definitely be in agreement to that, Eric. Four 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 six Texan, interesting idea here. Give Stu the court and the spectrum to Craig in twenty more years. <laughs> it is already the Smith spectrum, by the way. D Glenn, but D Glenn, I mean, we gotta get the D Glenn. <laughs> hey, what, can I ask True. you who is D Glenn? Do you know? Like, does Al ever? I I should so, ask Al. D Glenn Smith is the uh, person who started like the Smiths grocery stores. Oh, really? I didn't know that. That's cool. I, I I've always wondered actually where I was like, where's D Glenn Smith? Like, I never thought about that. I was thinking like D Jones or something, but uh, yeah. Um, I look. I, I think Stu should have a court named after him. I think JC's jersey should be in the Raptors. I think Craig's, uh, not Craig, Sam Merrill's jersey should be in the Raptors for what they've done. Kind of a tiny bit of a segue into this, though. Um, Namish Keta. When it's all said and done, Eric, does one day Namish Keta's jersey belong up there? Uh, pro- yeah. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. 
That's incredible what he's I mean, done. He's, he's got the all-time blocks record. <laughs> he's. I think he's. I don't top know five. where he's at on the rebounds. I think he. I want to say he's top. I have to look at his numbers on Sports Reference, but I think his numbers. I, I want to say he's in the top ten at least. Uh, for sure, top ten. I don't know where he's at in the top five, but he's got to be nipping at the hills to get into that category. Uh, yeah, I would put Namiya Keta. So you have Grant. By the way, here's another stupid question for you. Who the heck is Roberts? Who is Roberts? Yeah, there's a Roberts name up there with like Estes and Grant. Do you know who that is? I need a if oh, where's Al when you need that guy? <laughs> uh mine's currently drawing a blank. I'll have to look I'm it. sure the second I look it up, like, oh yes, of course. Yeah, that's what I was just I like because so I was I was gonna ask somebody yesterday, I was like Oh, it's Marv Roberts, five two three one texting in. Thank you. Who's Marvin Roberts? I'm so sorry. I hope I haven't offended anybody when I ask this, including Mr. Roberts himself. Uh, played for the Lakers for a little while, 5231 says. Huh. I didn't know that. That's, that's horrible of me to say that. I didn't know that. Played for Utah State in the uh, late 60s. Okay. All-American. So there's Roberts, Grant, Estes up there. Is there anybody else I'm missing? I'm trying to think. It's crazy. I'm in there like three times a week, you should know. With jerseys that are hanging from the yeah. rafters? It's Grant, Estes, Roberts. I'm trying to I think that's it. Those are the only three that we've done. And you have like I mean, Carol should be on there, right? Merrill should be on there. Keta should be on there. Is there anybody else who's not on there? Well, what I guess what's the criteria for putting somebody's Jersey in the that's, See, that's the other question. Do you have to be an All-American? Well, if that's the case, does Sam make it? Is he an All-American? I don't think he I was. don't think he is. Ty, Ty Wesley, Wesley was. was an honorable mention All-American. Was Gary an honorable mention or no? No. No, he wasn't. He was. For some reason, I keep thinking Gary was an All-American. Um, Ty Wesley, uh, I, I, and you know, I, I know he wasn't an All-American, but Spencer Nilsson, I, I mean... Dude, the guy was the glue of the Utah State Aggies for years. Nate Harris is another one who I thought was phenomenal. And I mean, you don't want to like, I don't, I don't know if it's appropriate to litter the rafters with jerseys. <laughs> but I mean, just the way the resume looks on some of these players, Nate Harris is one that stands out to me. Spencer Nilsson was, again, the glue of the Aggie team in some of their most prime and dynasty years when they were just just chucking teams around left and right. Um, Ty Wesley, as you mentioned. Gary Wilkinson was a special basketball player. Yeah, Ty, Ty Wesley was an AP All-American uh, honorable mention that he got. Uh, he was also the WAC Player of the Year. So his recognitions. Man, that's – I mean, like I said, there's a list. Like you, And then you put – what about um, – Shoot, I was just, yeah, so J.C. Carroll, I was about to say Jared Quayle, and then I had to really back off quickly on that one. But, uh, yeah, I, I'd put J.C., Sam, Namish. honestly, I put Nilton, Wilkinson, and Wesley. Gary Wilkinson was a WAC player of the year. Okay. But, um, in 2009, but he did not receive any. Okay. For, man, I always felt like he was All a American big part of that squad. But then I guess, I mean... Give me, I mean, just to be a blunt yes or no, do you think Spencer Nilton 
should be up there or no? Well, then I think, was he a great player? Yeah, absolutely. Did he mean a lot to Utah State on and off the court? Yes, absolutely. But I think it has to be... What is the I think criteria you have to be careful then? about what you what you identify as your your criteria of getting your raft your your jersey in the rafter. Yeah. No one else can wear that number again. Yeah. Sam Merrill, yes or no then. He's on on all he's not all American. But the guy is second or well, I mean, he's I mean, greatest I mean, one of the greatest scorers ever in Aggie history. He was incredible. he got us a Mountain West Conference Championship last year. He won the Aggies a Mountain West Conference Championship last year and actually the year before. If we're going to put Namish Keta on there, Sam Merrill sure as heck better be on there. Uh, oh, probably, no way. Yeah, I'm just, well, probably. Probably? So are you telling me that Namish Keta deserves it more than Sam Merrill? Go no. ahead. Floor is yours. No. I I would give I would give the pole position to Sam Merrill ahead of Namish Keta. Man, Namish is special though. Holy cow what he's done. Um yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think there has to be you have to be able to prioritize or categorize what puts your jersey in? I love what you said. That's perfect what you said. What puts your jersey in the rafters? And I would definitely agree with you. Um, 4101 says, what about Chris Huber? You know what? Why don't we just put uh, D'Angelo Isby on there too? <laughs> Stop. <laughs> I get in trouble when that name comes up. <laughs> Very, oh very, man! Very sensitive people. <laughs> well, no, well, yeah. yeah. We all learn, live and learn. I guess yeah. I've, yeah, I've. Uh, five three three eight. I'm happy to change this topic. Please. Five three three eight. Text in. Speaking of Tim Durier, did his contract dispute with the university ever get settled? That's a great question. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. I think the fact that he got a, a job fairly soon after. I think that cause that to go away a little bit that's conjecture i really don't know no yeah and i would be honest with you too i i don't know either not sure yeah that uh. was not fair how he got treated and how that went down um but i don't know if it got settled that's a good question i don't know i don't think anyone really followed up on it, it kind of died off didn't it, it kind of yeah kind of went away one way. And we didn't hear about it. And nobody really asked any questions because then here come Craig Smith and we're all like, yes, new era. Sweet. Well, and Tim got a new job with Boise State. Yeah. So it was, kind of became a Okay, what's point. going on, dude? Like, there's a trend. And, and and speaking of which, I think 2787 texted in yesterday. What do you think of the new Bo- Boise State coaching staff? So Tim now is part of the Boise State basketball staff. Frank Miley's now over there as associate head coach. And now Stacey Collins has went to Boise State. Hello. Boise is Utah State 2.0. They just win in football. I guess in basketball it's different. Well, at least it was last <laughs> year. We'll see what happens this year. Um, yeah, I I, I don't know. Uh, we, but he did ask yesterday, Eric. What do we think about the Boise new 
Boise State new coaching staff, I think Collins really does help. I think Collins is a great special teams coach. Um, I think he'll add on a lot of uh, creativity. Um, I was kind of surprised by it, though. I'm not going to lie to you. Well, I, Collins and Miley were close. They were. I think it was a recommendation. Yeah, they may have uh, come under Frank's uh, recommendation. I, uh, I, it's gonna be a good. I, but who's the OC at Boise? Has that been named? I don't think so. Because uh, I think that's going to be one of the biggest determining factors. I think they'll be a good defensive team. They've got a very strong defensive staff. But uh, what I was talking about yesterday is uh, that that team is known for nationally for its offense, but what they're really good at is their defense over these last several years. They don't get talked about defensively as much as they should. But has it? Is it going to flip? Is the pendulum going to more fully shift to Boise State being a defensive first type of team and struggle offensively? But don't you love those kind of teams? Teams that can just stand. I mean, when you are up three with you know a minute, you know maybe two minutes left, and it's you know fourth and medium, just on your you know a, a shade side on your on your side of the field. You can say, hey, we're going to punt the ball because I know my defense can get me a stop. I know that no matter how good that offense is, my defense can get me a stop. And shut this game down and we can win it. I think maybe that's what maybe you're right. Maybe that's what he's shooting for. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, they have not named. They have a running backs coach, a wide receivers coach, assistant director of football performance, chief of staff, director of sports performance couple of those guys, actually three of those guys. Yeah, I do not see. Oh, nope, they have. Just kidding. Uh, Tim Plough? Plough? Oh, he was already on the staff. I think that's right. He got elevated. Yeah, he is. He was like a tight ends coach or something before, Yep, he? he was. Correct. Yep, and now he is the quarterback coach and the offensive coordinator at Boise State. 2787, please don't be mad that we didn't know that. I'm sorry. Didn't mean to go through Andy Avalos' Twitter account to find that. But here we are. Um, hey, excited to talk some Maggie basketball with you. Another just ho-hum victory. A lot of things to look at. And does things, you know, does things get tougher for the Aggies tomorrow night, though, if the Colorado State can make the right adjustments? Yeah, let's, talk, let's discuss that. Let's get your reactions, too. Um, the reactions to the game last night. What kind of uh, adjustments might we see tomorrow? We got some comments from uh, Namiyash Keta uh, after the game, um, Craig Smith uh, as well, kind of their their thoughts about what transpired last night in Logan. Uh, Utah State with a 19-point victory over the Rams last night. We'll get into that coming up next here in the Full Court Press. The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools, the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Eric France and Ajay Salveson, thanks for tuning in and joining us. Had some great interaction on the text line, 435-339-0321. You can also message us directly through the 106.9 The Fan mobile app. Free to download, easy to access, and you can listen to us uh, wherever you are. You can also stream us on 106.9thefan.com. Um, 
Big win last night by the Aggies. Double-digit victory. And, boy, I was thinking, yeah, I think it'll be double-digit like to 12-point, 10 to 12-point variety. Told you, Eric. Oh, my word. 19-point is more like it. Yeah. Uh, domination from every fan. And, look, I mean, Colorado State did everything they could offensively. Moving the ball, screen here, screen there, ball rotation, ball movement. I mean, trying to find any which way to get a look, a clean look at the hoop, and they never got one all night long. They didn't get one. That's how good this defense was last night. I, I, I really was impressed. They had a few okay, good okay, looks. so what? Out of the 18, no, excuse me, out of the 27 threes they took, I'd say maybe eight of them were good looks. Yeah. They were running guys through staggered screens, really oh, trying everything. to get their guys open. Um, but that that uh, that defense that the Aggies put on Roddy, yeah, was impressive. My gosh, Justin K- Bean, Namish Keta, they did not allow him to do anything. Roddy's got to quit going against Keta. Like that's just got to stop. Like, right? He he, he thought did it that last his year big too. Body he got his lunch eaten, and his physical force could get through Nimi, and it was that was a yeah, that was a just, rough lesson. That's learned. a no no. Don't do that. You don't need to. Um. Yeah, I just impressive defensively for the uh, for the Aggies again. I thought Brock Miller was really good on the defensive side, but how about his shooting? Six threes, right? Oh, Brock Miller, dude! Yeah. When he when he is able to catch and step into shoot in rhythm, my most pure stroke I've seen. Like it's just it's and gorgeous. Quick release. He's yeah. really improved oh, great. the speed of his release. Uh, it's a good fluid motion. So uh, these yeah, last few I, weeks, man, it's unreal. awesome. I mean, we, in full disclosure, we were critical of Brock I, earlier I in the year. I definitely was. Yeah, I'll admit that. Oh, absolutely, I was. Um, yeah, I. But would, we also it, talked about how important it was for him to find his his confidence because it really means a lot if he's going. In fact, Nimi talked a little bit about that and how that inside out dynamic makes a big difference for this team. Here's uh, Nimi after the game. High praise for Brock Miller. Brock is a really, a really good pressure reliever. Um, they can, other teams cannot lose him because if he, if they do, it's just, it's just a pretty easy shot for him. And I feel that it's just having him as a floor spacer helps me, helps me pretty much. I'd say the most out of all, all of our players because he's just, he's the fan that cannot double team me, and it's just, and it's just a, such a good weapon for us. I love when Nimi Nimi speaks. It's so funny to listen to him. <laughs> it's a pressure reliever. Wait, you know what story he hates the most? I think <laughs> it's when coach always tells a story of like he always took him to uh, the training table up at the university, and he's all, and then he always tries to like mimic the voice of Nimi, <laughs> and you can just tell the guy that gets kind of annoyed. He's like, "That's not how I talk." <laughs> it's so good. I love it. It's fun. Uh, yeah, no, look, Brock Miller is just. I mean, when he shoots that well, that offense is so tough to guard. Because then, I mean, are you supposed to? Like, or do you double block? Do you try to? Do you try to screen off any pass he can get? And do you leave another guard open? Are you willing to let that guard shoot an open three? Or are you like? I mean, are you going to double him and leave the post open for Keta to go one on one? Which, by the way, Colorado State does not handle well. Which we, do we not predicted. Have an answer. And yeah, and what ended up being right on is that they just had no answer for Namiya's Keta. Well, you, with with Brock hitting like that, they're the the outside defense. They have to respect him and always trace him and, and track him wherever he is. 
So you can't slough off to help down low on another position. So it really is a, a pressure reliever. Teams can't sag down to make life more difficult for Nimi because they have to respect what could happen on the outside. Uh, and, and Craig Smith also had high praise for uh, Brock Miller and how he's playing right now. Well, Brock's a good player, and he's improved. He worked hard this summer on his game, on his overall game. He worked hard this summer on his shot with some tweaks, and he put a lot of time in the gym. Uh, he's, he's a better athlete. He's bigger and stronger, um, and it's showing in how he's playing. And so um, he's been a very consistent player for us all year. And, um, you know, he's a weapon out there. He's a good player. So he's making better decisions as a whole on the offensive floor. He's did a heck of a job on the defensive end. And obviously when you have the ability to shoot, you know, you stretch the defense, you, you can stretch the defense out. Um, and so he's been fantastic. He's been steady Eddie. Our, our four juniors have really been consistent for us and have gone from the, the, the being underclassmen to upperclassmen. And they're doing it with how they play. They're doing it with their voice. They're doing it with their consistency. I know every day what we're going to get when I walk when we walk into the practice floor. Those four juniors are going to be very good, and some other guys too. But I'm just saying that specifically, you know, that class. Yeah, that that junior class <clears throat> for Utah State is really solid, very solid. Whoever gets to coach him next year is going to be very lucky. Oh, stop. Don't go there. <laughs> hey, uh, yeah. Um, do you – I don't know if you're okay with doing this. Will you go through the lines for the starters really quick for the Aggies? I can't find mine. Yep. Give me what you so got for, for the, the starters. starters. Yeah, for just for the Aggies, if you will, please. So, Bean finished with 8 points, 7 rebounds, and an assist. Keta, 18 points, 12 rebounds, 2 assists, 1 steal, 3 blocks. <laughs> Worcester had uh, 8 points. Uh Two rebounds, nine assists, and a steal. Miller, 20 points, four boards, one assist. And then Marco Anthony with eight points, three rebounds, three assists, a steal, and a block. You know what? Raleigh needs to keep shooting the ball. I know he missed a couple of open looks yesterday. Just keep shooting. You're going to get it. It's going to find it. You're going to get rhythm. You're going to be all right. Keep shooting the ball. Keep going to the hoop. Keep attacking. You're going to get there, young man. It's just it's going to might take a bit. Don't worry about it. Nine assists from Raleigh. Yeah. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah, he had a couple of beautiful passes, too. He is a passing machine. Him and Ashworth together on the court, just so freaking tough to handle. We talked yesterday, you know, we felt like Utah State needed to have a more offensive game. Uh, this was an opportunity for them to have a more offensive game, score yeah. more points, and they did. They got up to 83. Uh, and we talked about, now, to do that, uh, would it need to be somebody scores 20 points or more or four different guys in double figures? I thought it would be more the four guys in double, double figures, figures variety. Yeah. Turns out it was one guy in. We didn't know, we didn't know Brock Miller was going to light up the scoreboard like that. And and, and by the way, in case, let me ask you now, if you're Colorado State on this offensive, on the defensive side of the ball for the Rams versus this Aggie offense, what adjustments do you make? Against the Aggie offense? Yeah. Because you have nobody to stop Keta. I mean. <laughs> well, I think what, what they were trying to do is they were trying to double him from from down low. Yeah. In spots where he didn't see the double coming. Yeah, from that weak side. The yeah. problem is, is that Keta's gotten so good at like glancing at like a blind spot 
and just saying, okay, it's coming from here. Let me find... Because if there's a double coming, that means what? There's an open guy somewhere else on the court. And so if that weak side double's coming, he's just got to take one peek, and I, I, he'll usually find someone pretty good. He doesn't chuck it into the sixth row. Uh, he is, he's pretty good at finding somebody and uh, uh, and giving them an open look. And they had I, every guard had an open look last night, at least one. Yeah, uh, that's true. I, I think that for Colorado State, they got to try to lengthen the shot clock on the Aggies, make them work. Yeah, to to get those looks. The thing is, man, slow, slow the possessions down, and that's really not their game. They they like to score a little more points. Uh, so, but they are, you know, they can be a, de- a decent defensive team. Their opponents usually in the sixty to sixty-five point range. Aggies but, blew that out of the water. Well, the the, the refs slowed the game down. I mean, they 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 were more than happy to get paid by the hour, and that's an that's a veteran <laughs> officiating crew too. Like we're Dave paid Hall by the hour, uh, Vern Harris, and the uh, Michael Greenstein guy. Like that's an a veteran officiating crew. And man, it really bogged things down in the second half, dude. Colorado had seven total free fouls. throws between the two teams. Colorado had seven fouls with twelve and a half minutes remaining. And there were a lot of fouls called early in the game. Yeah, a ton. It was just a. I mean, that was a long game last night. I hope they don't do that tomorrow because it's nine o'clock. Maybe they'll have a little more urgency <laughs> to get out. <laughs> to be late. Bless their souls. Past their bedtime. Yeah. Past mine. Uh, love to continue to get your thoughts about the game last night. 435-339-0321. What did you see that you liked? Uh, what c- might concern you about adjustments that could be made uh, against the Aggies for tomorrow night's uh, matchup? 435-339-0321 or message us directly on the 106.9 The Fan mobile app. Talking the sports you care about. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio. 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. I mean, if you're going to get popcorn, it might as well be Dude, movie popcorn. I seriously wish I would have been here for right? that. I would have died to see the look on your face. I mean, isn't that the best popcorn? God, why does all the cool stuff happen when I'm not here? <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so good. And by the way, you know what? You think that's bad. There I am in my cubicle yesterday trying to get some work done, finish up some audio and whatnot for the, for the show. And I've got four different people talking about their like computers and their favorite software and whatever. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose my mind here. And actually, it was so bad, I actually had to leave. And I just, I walked, I think I walked the whole entire hallway of the building. <laughs> came back. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I think we're good. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, uh, Eric, I, I, I've got to ask you, uh, Aggies again with a big win yesterday. Uh, tomorrow night, again, 9 o'clock on FS1. Versus the Rams, is there any adjustments that the Aggies need to make, or is there any adjustments that Colorado State you think will make that might concern you for the Aggies? Here's here's what I think will be a couple of keys for uh, Colorado State. I, I I think that they're going to try to do pick and roll a lot more pick and roll action. They're going to try to negate Nimi as best as they can, force him away from the basket. Um. Because there were a couple of plays that they did that uh, they had some guys open for looks because he wouldn't come out 
or yeah. he was slow to come out. Yeah. Now, granted, they weren't their best three-point shooters, but they were able to get a few in. Um, but I, I think they're going to try to do more of that, try to isolate or get Nimi running around and try to take advantage of that. I think that's the first big key. Because he hit one three, right? That big guy did? Um, I know he hit From one. The top of the he key. took a couple. He may and, have but hit then, two. And by the way, when Colorado State misses, like they really miss. I mean, it's either like all backboard – or like it's like George and Yang from three. It just looks really bad when they miss. The other thing I think uh, Colorado State's going to try to do is, uh, I, I, this is a hunch. I don't think it's necessarily wise, but I think that they're going to try to get Roddy to go at Nimi more. Yeah, force him into foul trouble. But that didn't work get the physical first time. With him. Oh, okay, getting the by physical getting part. physical yeah. with him. Good point. Use use his his size, his girth, to uh, to bully Nimi, but. Really, they're not. They weigh about the same. Yeah. So that's your point. Uh, I don't know that it's really going to be that much of an advantage for them, but they're going to. I think they're going to try to negate Nimi as much as possible. I think that's the biggest key. By the way, I thought Alfonso was good again. He's just so in control and so like calm. Um, you know, even in the post, I think his patience has gotten a lot better as well. I I've been impressed with what Alfonso's done here in the last few games and. Um, he's going to be another important factor tomorrow night. Second time uh, in his, well, what, second or third time now, um, this uh, straight where he's played the center position. They've gone small. Yeah. Um, they and, like that too, don't they? And uh, you know what? But Colorado State plays small. They really don't have any kind of a dominant big guy. And so it makes sense to do that. So, But that, that also speaks to Alfonso's versatility. He can guard in the post. He can guard on the perimeter. Um, and uh, he really can do a lot of different things. He's kind of that X-factor guy for Utah State, uh, kind of filling in where Diogo Brito was. He was a Swiss Army knife for the Aggies last year or the last few years. Uh, I don't know that Alfonso's on that same level, but uh, he certainly can do a lot of different things for Utah State, and it's great to see him playing with confidence uh, and playing that important role that they need him to play. Hey, my it makes fa- a difference. My favorite number, my favorite stat of this game last night is – they made 25 field goals, and 20 of those were assisted. Uh, that, by the way, that's the fourth time, according to Doug Hoffman this year, that USU has had 20-plus assists in a game. Like, just sharing the ball. Like, the ball movement is just so crisp, right? And I know in the second half it got a little bit sloppy, some dumb turnovers, um, miscommunication on passes. But I just, for the most of that game, they were just in control of everything that they were doing with the basketball. And they were confident with their passes. They knew where they were going with it. They'd get there quickly. I, th- I thought it was great ball movement by the Aggies last night. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And how they, um, they, they, we hear this phrase from Coach Smith, and now it's from the players because they're hearing it from him as well, but about being connected on offense. Mm-hmm. And early in the season, they weren't quite there. So many new players. It's, I can't have much criticism on them for that. It's no. just a lot of new guys just trying to figure it out. Um, but uh, they play much more connected, the understanding. Now, there were times they've had stretches early in the game against uh, San Diego in some of their games against the Aztecs where they weren't quite connected. It wasn't quite flowing very good. But then once they started to get that dialed in better, man, it makes a huge difference. And they were able to do that all game last night, I felt. Um, And just with their defensive assignments, uh, how they were talking to each other, and then offensively, just sharing the ball, moving it around, uh, getting a lot of people touches and, and involved and engaged. 
makes a big difference. Yeah, you know, this winning streak, by the way, just continues to pile up. I mean, 15 of the last 16 in Mountain West Conference, 18 of the last 19 versus Mountain West Conference opponents during, dating back to last year. And their 11-game winning streak is tied for 7th longest in the country right now, and it's the longest under Smith since his 18-19 year. And it's uh, the longest, I guess, since 2012-13 when they won 13 in a row. Which, by the way, if they win tomorrow night, um, what that's uh, that's that's 12. I think they sweep UNLV next week. UNLV just looks bad. I mean, they're talented, but they're just. I mean, you talk about being connected, total opposite. And I think that the Aggies are gonna <laughs> might be setting some records. Uh, I hope that's the case. I think they should be able to, but I'm not just easily casting them aside because that coach knows how to coach. Oh against yeah, absolutely. So, co- I, but Craig then here's Smith. the problem: is that they can't get wins, man. I mean, I no, mean, that's I, true. I mean, they they took Colorado State to the wire. They've played some really good teams. They played them close, but they yeah. just can't get over the hump. Yep. Um, one thing I want to get back to offense. Craig Smith talked about his offense and just how that offense is really uh, playing well and being connected. Uh, we'll hear more of that in his comments here. Well, guys, executed well. Um, first of all, offensive rebounding, um, you know, that's that's a will thing, right? I mean, that's a, that's a, a make up your mind, you're going to go to the glass type of thing, and we were fortunate to be able to get some of those. Um, obviously, Kata with four, Bean with two, Brock even had a couple off of longer rebounds. And Trevin didn't play a lot of minutes, but he got two offensive rebounds in four minutes uh, of the game. So, and then we were able to execute underneath, you know, for some for some clean looks, and our guys took advantage of it. So sometimes, you know, every game's different that way. You can go through a game and have three out of bounds plays, and then other games you have a little bit more. And so, um, I thought our guys did a really good job of executing them. Sometimes you get clean looks, but you don't make them. And tonight, for the most part, we were able to, to knock a few down. Yeah, and doing it in different ways mm-hmm. last night as opposed to how they were able to get the wins against San Diego State. It's a different style, huh? It, there's, I mean, it is a different contrasting style from San Diego State to Colorado State, and we got a very good vibe of that last night. Yes, no, that that's true. And San Diego State likes to shoot the three, and I think they're going to oh, yeah. try to do some things, maybe have more staggered screens, um, Try to get guys open looks. Stevens was held in check in the first half, but got going in the second half. Um, does that prove or give him a little bit of momentum coming into sure. this next one? I don't know. Yeah. Um, Roddy has got to be frustrated with his performance. Is he going to yeah. come out more motivated? I would imagine. I'd he hope would. so. So, uh, and then uh, Thistlewood was able to do a few things in the first half, but when, he was when shut work, down the rest of the then way. Then he kind of yeah. got shut down. So, um, there are. They're a well-coached team. They're a good team. Um, I and, and we've seen this. The pattern is when you beat the team the first time in these two games and three nights for the Aggies, they're by double digits. Yep. The second game, sometimes not by – some are still in double digits, but they're a lot closer. San Diego State was a tougher deal without their best player. Yeah, the game two is, is almost always yeah, more difficult. Yeah, and Nico Medved's really good at making adjustments, and now he has this you know, full squad. He really quickly – we had some texts I want to hit through uh, uh, a while back, and I want to get to them. 9463, uh, Eli Becker wrote a great article today uh, where he had a chance to sit down with David Raglan, the assistant coach at Utah State, and I love 
Coach Rags. He says, after reading that Eli Becker article today about how impressive and surprising it is that USU has been able to sustain success this year after losing Merrill, Burrito, and Porter, I honestly don't know if it should be that much of a surprise. To be completely honest, USU didn't really rely on Sam all that much to score until the Mount West Conference Tournament. He was much more part of the system during the regular season and wasn't really given the green light to cook until the tournament. So I really don't know if it's that surprising that they're having this same success again. Problem is, is going to be when they get to the tournament and they need someone to rely on to hit those big shots. Yeah, that, That's a good point. Um, who do you go to when you're having that drought? They were able to go to Sam last year. Well, Al and I were talking about this last night, that the Marco seems to be having a hard time finishing at the rim. Yeah. He's a guy that should have He's that ability. He's getting to the rim with these, finish. Right, he can get there, and I think he could be that guy, um, but it, it might be you know, get the ball down to, to, to Keta and let him be the guy, but if you need somebody who can create their own shot, a center's probably not the guy to do that. Hmm. So... But I, I think Marco can be that guy. Yeah. He just isn't as consistent right now. He's getting to the rim, but he's not finishing. Uh, but we've seen him do that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and he'll get back to them. Um, excuse me. Wow, I'm about to sneeze. 5338 text in. Uh, turning back the clock slightly to the San Diego State games, I think San Diego State beat themselves mentally before they even took the court due to all the altitude and beet juice. You know, they did really <laughs> hit on that pretty hard, though. They're like, oh, we got to drink our beet juice. Oh, hair, beet juice is awesome. And yeah. it's like, dude, just come play basketball, man. It, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Yeah. Oh, that altitude's going to be tough. Yeah. Then it becomes tough. When the when game it's... is the exact same played, whether you're in here or in Colorado State or in San Diego State, same goal, same job. They, they make, I would absolutely agree with they that. Pull with an Ajay, they speak it into existence oh, by okay. talking about Calm it, down. worrying about it so much. Why do you, you know, why do you do this to me? Speak it into existence. Speak. It's your superpower. I'm about to speak something into existence in about two minutes. If you don't shut up, my what went wrong Wednesday didn't really speak anything to existence. Uh, people want to know. You keep teasing this. What went wrong Wednesday? And I'm glad you brought that up. Oh it's their tease no, for next hour. no. They want to know no, the story. Nobody cares. You're teasing it. They nobody want cares. to know the full. Story unadulterated. 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 <laughs> um, That's against the commandments. <laughs> uh, we both have some bad takes. We need to uh, own up to. But we'll get into a what went wrong Wednesday. Utah Jazz had a nice win last night as well. They're on pace for a record um, streak right now in the NBA, and we'll talk about that. And it's Region Eleven is back up again uh, later on tonight. We'll tell you who's playing where. The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Hey, what's going on? Good afternoon. Eric France and Ajay Salveson with you here. Full Court Press, 106.9 The Fan. You know, Eric, when I come in into your cubicle and I seek your advice on important matters like what I should have for lunch, you don't freaking give me bad advice. I gave you excellent advice. Really? Yes. So you said I should eat live animals and let them squirm around on my tummy. Um, I don't remember it being in so many words, but... Well, it was. It was actually more words than that because you're a lot more detailed, and I'm not. <laughs> For our listeners' sake. We got something to do with uh, raw. 
Raw reptiles. Raw, un, uncooked And then you meat. say, like, oh, yeah, like, you know, the worms just in your tongue. I'm like, what I didn't the say anything about Yes, you worms. did. Yes, you did. Shame on you, Eric. Trying to come to you for advice, for suggestions, for help, for encouragement. Instead, I ended up at Wendy's. That's not a bad place to end up. Well, oh, okay. I was Rumby Grill. It was but delicious. it was, I know, I bet it was. It's out of my budget, though. It's way out of my budget. Um, hey, a couple things. By the way, did you know? I didn't know this. Philip Rivers only went to one conference championship game. Yeah, he definitely doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame. Okay, actually, you. I've been doing a little bit of research here. Oh, jeez, here we go. Hour. Here we go. Here we go. Hey, by the way, anybody who wants to text in and and yell at Eric for this one, well, this can be good. Four three five three three nine zero three two one. Four three five three three nine zero three two one. Two seven eight seven. We'll get to you in just a moment. Hold tight. I'm just gonna. Say, I'm just gonna do a comparison. I'll give you one player stats. Okay. And then I'll give you another players. Okay. And then you tell me which one of those two should. Be in the Hall of Fame. Okay, so guy A and guy B. Got him. Okay, guy A. Okay. Okay, guy A. He's been to eight Pro Bowls. 244 games played. Completion percentage of 64.9%. Uh, threw for over 63,000 yards. Almost 63,500 yards. Okay. Mm. Uh, threw 421 touchdowns, 209 interceptions. Uh, 29 comebacks, 35 game-winning drives. Okay, so that's player A. What was his postseason like? I'm going to save that for later. Oh, come on! Oh, actually, okay. I'll do that. Okay. I appeared in 12 playoff games. Okay. Okay. Uh, The next one. He appeared in four Pro Bowls. 236 games played, a completion percentage of 60.3, threw for 57,000 yards, basically, uh, threw 366 touchdowns, 244 interceptions. Overall record, 117 and 117. Also appeared in 12 playoff games. What was the record of Guy A? 134 and 106. Player A uh, appeared in eight Pro Bowls. Player B appeared in four. Player A had a record of 134 wins to 106 losses. Player B had 117 wins to 117 losses. And they both appeared in 12 playoff games. I feel like there's a trick question to this. I'm going to take Guy B. Guy B. Guy B in those 12 playoff games was 8 and 4. Player A was 5 and 7. Player B in those playoff games won two Super Bowls and was named the Super Bowl MVP twice. Eli Manning. Correct. Uh, He had 27 comebacks, 37 game winning drives. And then uh, give me the numbers for playoffs for guy A. 12 playoff games, and he was 5-7 and seven in those playoff games. No Super Bowls. No Super Bowls. That'd be Phillip. That's Phillip Rivers. Yeah, I'd take guy B. 
I mean, numbers are great, but he didn't break any quarterback records. He threw for more yards. He threw for more touchdowns. He threw less interceptions. He had more victories. He had better percentage, uh, passing percentage. He played in more games. He appeared in more Pro Bowls, but he never got to a Super Bowl. Eli Manning, Eli Manning got there twice, and the two times he got there was named the MVP. And I get it. I mean, did he cry his way out of San Diego? Probably, but John Elway balled his way out of Indianapolis. Do we, can we do one more? Guy, yeah, absolutely. Player A, player yeah, B yeah, comparison? Yeah, let's do it. Absolutely. Okay, player A, 233 games played, 64.4% completion, threw for 60,348 yards, 396 touchdowns, 201 interceptions. Oh, my gosh. Overall record, 156, 74, and 1. <laughs> Appeared in 22 playoff games. Okay. 35 comebacks, 46 game-winning drives. How many yards did he throw for? And appeared in six Pro Bowls. How many yards? Yeah, how many yards did he throw? 60,348. Okay. That's our new player A. Okay. Player B, 156 games played, 65.3% completion percentage, 34,183 yards, 248 touchdowns, 117 interceptions. Career record, 78-49. and 49. Appeared in four Pro Bowls. Six playoff games. And had 24 comebacks, 29 game-winning drives. 29. Wow, that's... Oof. Oh, man. Um, you said six playoff games for Guy B? Correct. And then how many for guy A? 22. I'm taking guy A. Absolutely. Um, but do you have an idea who these players That's are? That's what I'm trying to think. Is guy A Ben Roethlisberger? Yes. Very good. Guy B. Ben Roethlisberger was, he appeared in six Pro Bowls. He was a 2004 Rookie of the Year. He has two Super Bowl victories and one Super Bowl loss. So he's been to three Super Bowls. Yeah, lost to Rodgers. And player B has not been to a Super Bowl. So player B hasn't been to a Super Bowl. What's his record in the playoffs? Two and four. Oh. Two and four in the playoffs. And what's his overall record? Overall record, 78 wins, 49 losses. Two and four, huh? Um. Wow, that's a good one, Eric. Uh, I'm gonna say, man, I don't even. <laughs> Only played for one team his whole career. Okay, and he was two and four in the playoffs, so he's retired now. Yes, he's out Romo. of the game. Tony Romo, you're correct. Of the four players, four quarterbacks we just talked about, Tony Romo is a very distant fourth compared to these other guys. He's not going to the Hall of Fame. Philip Rivers is not going to the Hall of Fame. Ben Roethlisberger, Eli Manning. Those are Hall of Famers. They're Hall of Famers. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that drive kind of cemented uh, or the, the one against the Cardinals. Uh, Lean him into the uh, for a touchdown, game winning touchdown, in that wild back and forth game against Arizona in the Super Bowl. I think that one kind of cemented Ben Roethlisberger's legacy to make the Hall of Fame. I mean, was there still more work to be done? Maybe, but he was already two and zero in Super Bowls, and that drive right there really helped him out. And I know he lost to Rodgers and the Packers, but I think that Rodgers team was pretty darn complete in about every way possible. I think Brandon Roethlisberger has the strongest case of those four. Yeah, I would definitely. Oh yeah, which is crazy because Eli Manning won MV- won an MVP twice. Yeah, and two he times beat, Super and he Bowl beat Tom MVP. Brady and the Patriots. Why? Like, that's what's amazing to me, and I I almost would have to agree with you right now after hearing those numbers. Ben's got a stronger case than Eli, and they're still going to make it. Here's the question: Is Eli first ballot? Yes or no? Uh, I don't know. Is Ben Roethlisberger first ballot, yes or no? I'd probably say yes. Yeah, see, that's, that's exactly where I'm at, too. It, for Eli, it might depend on who else is on the ballot mm. with him. There's 117 mm. losses. I mean, he was 117 wins, 117 losses. He won as many as he lost. That's incredible, by the way. That is nuts. <laughs> oh man, that's incredible. Anyway, wow, some fun football trivia. Uh, nine four six three. Wait, wait, wait. He says the appeared in Pro Bowls is different than made Pro Bowls. Might be misleading. It's like an app at okay, but and he was named to a Pro Bowl. Whether you appear or not doesn't matter. Do it's a glory thing anyway. No one participates. I was gonna say. I was about to ask you. Do you think it's the a Pro recognition. Bowl has as much meaning for a player individually than no. it used to? No, oh, no, no. Yeah, I'm with you. They, in fact, they should they should just do postseason honors and just yeah, and call just call it, it good because these guys don't want to put their bodies through another yeah, game. Yeah, I mean, and you watch them and they're like. I mean, the it's, defensive line doesn't make any effort at all. It's so different from every other sport. Yeah. It's an exhibition in baseball and basketball and hockey. For football, it's it's so different. Yep, I would absolutely, I'd absolutely agree with that. I, I think it's been kind of an embarrassment. I like, I love, um, I love the baseball Hall of Fame. No, no, baseball, baseball All Star Game. Excuse me. I think they do a really good job with that one. Basketball has gotten worse. Well, actually, it was really good last year. Um, it was pretty bad for like four or five years. Um, yeah, and NFL is just at the bottom. I mean, very bottom. Below anything else. Yeah. Hockey included. I, mean, I love hockey's all-star game. Uh, 2787, Utah State had San Diego madder than a midget with a yo-yo. They okay, that's great. offensive. That's it. Blocked and reported. Two seven eight seven. What do we got against yo-yos? What do you got against midgets? Oh, no, nothing. You better not. All right, those are my homeboys. <laughs> you have nothing for that. <laughs> nope. <laughs> That's true. I mean, Utah State. I mean, San Diego State looked flustered, and I think after when they were down by ten, they went into half. Coach Smith, you know, had a little. They held hands, saying "Kumbaya." Um, ate some s'mores together and then thought it out and said, all right, let's go play basketball. Then all of a sudden, you know, you watch when the Aggies went on that run. Aztecs had no answer in any way. 
Um, they, they struggled, and um, I think when they were just kind of going back and forth, you still felt like Utah State was going to come out on top with that. Yeah, uh, just the, the, it's that Gata attitude. Uh, everybody's flying around. Everybody's bought in, and it's making a big difference. Um, and if you don't have the team concept, you're not going to get on the court. And I guess one player never really understood that, and I guess he's left. Yeah. Uh, Zihizev? Zahar Vudashev. Here's the thing. Is that guy is an elite shooter. He's an elite basketball player. His father is filthy rich because he owns a league that's like higher up in Russia. So he came from a, a, a cornerstone like that, um, a background with that kind of basketball, came to Utah State and immediately thought he should start playing. But when you watch him and he's taking 40-footers just out of rhythm, no, not even rhythm, and just outside of the offense, not even in the same atmosphere as the offense is, it's kind of like, all right, dude, like if you want to play, you got to play with the team, not with yourself. I mean, you got to be you got to be in sync with the offense and what Craig Smith wants to do, not with what you want to do and what you think looks good. I think this is a good departure for both the kid and the team, in my opinion. Yeah, hopefully, he gets somewhere where he they can uh, teach him that. Yeah, I hope so too. He can learn that because he's a talented kid. He just needs to go and 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 figure out how to work with a team. What what the team concept is, and I think that's that's where the issue. Could be. Uh, so uh, you you brought up uh, and it was brought up in, in a text uh, about this Eli Betker. Um, oh shoot! My bad. Oh, phrasing. Yes. My thank you two seven seven six. Play within the concept of the team is important. <laughs> of course, you take it out of context. Yeah. It's important. <laughs> Stop it. Uh, so this Eli Betker post talks about how Utah State has, uh, you know, uh, been able to move on and still play elite basketball even without Sam Merrill, Diego Brito, and Abel Porter. It's a great piece. I've just been skimming it, and yeah, a lot of credit to the other guys who have stepped in and and picked up uh, where those other guys left off, um, playing with the aggressiveness and heart. And as Coach Ragland kind of points out, especially like Stephen Ashworth. Obviously not the biggest guy out there, but has one of the biggest hearts, as he describes him. Um, but you're kind of right. It, it, it may come down to you know, when uh, the defense is great, playing really, really good and an elite level, uh, but offensively, if Utah State needs a bucket, who are they going to go to? Uh, and I think people like to get hung up on that, maybe a little bit more than they should. No, Because but- I think this team has proven it doesn't, you don't need one guy that can do that. Well, I mean, when you don't win, when everybody's on and all on target and shooting well, but look, that Mount West Conference tournament last year was dire straight. You got to remember, we were down by 11 in New Mexico with nine and a half remaining, and Sam comes back in with four fouls, and we were in a drought that we can't get out of because we can't break the full court press. Sam had to come back in. We were a minus 13 with Sam off the court that day. We were a plus. And he like, came in with four fouls, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. And with nine and a half remaining in the game, we were a minus 13 with him off the court in that game. We were a plus 11, no, plus 14 with him on the court. Like, you just, and so he comes in and saves our rear ends. And then that San Diego State game, we're down by 16, cut it to 10 or 8 or whatever by half. 
but down the stretch when we didn't we couldn't like Brock couldn't make a three. Um Alfonso hit a couple of big ones. Keta was I think exhausted just having to go against Wetzel. It was it was Sam who got us going again. And and so yeah, look, things look good right now because everybody's scoring. But what happens when you know the shot's not falling for you? And that's happening to five different guys all at the same time. What do you do? Like, who do you go to? So, what, what, is there has there been a game this season where that's been evidenced, where somebody yeah. has been able to do that, or it's been evidenced that there isn't someone who can do that? The BYU game really stands out. We were looking for anybody who could score, and I think Raleigh was the guy, and we put him in that position. And he and he for the most part responded, missed that free throw on the front end, um, but. Yeah, it just, I mean, you could tell that game they were searching for somebody to get us going, and and nobody really was able to find rhythm and hit shots. I think Barristow had an open look, he missed for three. Raleigh had a good look for a three, and he missed one. Um, and I know it's just one, but if you hit one, it gets you going for the rest. I mean, it can get you going for a long time. And, uh, yeah, I think that game really does stand out to me as, as one that is a glaring mark that we needed somebody who could score consistently down the stretch. And I would agree with that, but I'd also say look to the game, game two against San Diego State. Nimi's fouled out, two and a half minutes to go, and it's anybody's game. It's a one. It's like a one possession game, maybe two possession game, but with that much time in the game, it's it's anybody's game. And the Aggies yeah. were able to still get the win, not because one guy just came out there and was cooking, and took over the game. It's a team concept. Multiple different guys contributed during that stretch and made key game-winning plays. And I think that's the difference. I think that's how this team has evolved and and matured. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And I, again, it's it looks good right now, but when it comes to and you have five guys on the court that can't score or just can't find their shot at that moment, and you've got this other team going on a 12-13-0 run. I, you got to find a way to respond, and you got to find someone to go yeah, to. And that's true. I, but I think we will. I think by that time we'll be settled in. I think we will find that guy. It might be Raleigh, might be Ashworth, might be Fonzo, it might be Keta. Who knows? It might be Marco. Yeah, I mean, Marco's another one too. Yeah. And by the way, I loved your comment last hour. You know, if he can finish at the rim, he's a great. I mean, he's going to be a very, very good basketball. He is a good, very good basketball player. If he can finish at the rim, though, boy, he's going to be a very good offensive side of the court guy. All right, coming up next here on the Full Court Press, what went wrong Wednesday? We're not doing... What we, went wrong over no, the past no, week? Let's stay positive, all right? It's a new era, obviously, for our country. Let's stay positive. What went right, Eric? <laughs> Eric, come on. Come on. <laughs> come on. You know what, what went right <laughs> Wednesday. What? Let's stay positive, Eric. This is a positive day for everybody. Well... Some people. Not for everybody. <laughs> so you what sound, went wrong Wednesday? You sound really upset right Next now. Next to the Full Court Press. Interviews, analysis, and a little bit of fun mixed in. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. So, the other day. No. I was trying to make a point about 
veteran quarterbacks <laughs> versus some young quarterbacks in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And there were a few who were dynamic mm-hmm. and exciting. But I extended that to cover all of these young quarterbacks that were in the playoffs. And I should have just stuck with young quarterbacks. But I extended it to uh, Baker Mayfield and Jared Goff. <laughs> that was – when you said Baker, I looked at you like, man, if Colin heard what you just said, Coward would be very upset with you. <laughs> I think he would. And you would be hearing it on, a, on this very station from 10 to 2 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be hearing it from him. But it was an interesting – kind of divide, I guess. Either those quarterbacks in the divisional round were either real veterans, long-time players, or had only been in the league like three or four years Mm -hmm. or less. Mm -hmm. So, yes. Wow. Yeah, man, that's really tough. It's really bad. Bad Peace. Ma'am, hey. How about your bad take, AJ? Do you have anything that... Thinking about you, bro. Didn't go right? I <laughs> so last week I was talking about a certain player that I didn't think could match up with one of the Aztecs or the Aztecs best players, and was it after game one? It was after game yeah, one, wasn't game it? Game one, yep. It was after game one, and that player uh, was, has just got done doing some stretches and such, and then jogged down the tunnel way and was coming towards me, and I thought, oh, I, you know, I'm supposed to get him on to, to something else for a post game, and. He, he grabs my arm and says, hey, Ajay, just want to come and say hi. And I was like, oh, hey, th- hey, good to see you. How are you? You played great today. Thanks, man. It was a fun game. Yeah. Hey, uh, <clears throat> parents are in town. They were, uh, they were listening to your show. Uh-huh. <laughs> Can't guard Matt Mitchell, huh? Uh, look, Justin, hey, love you, Ajay. Off he goes. <laughs> To the Bean family, <laughs> to Justin Bean, my deepest apologies. I was wrong. Oh, and okay, by the way, speaking of being wrong, I, I've Maybe been, you should take credit for the defensive <laughs> job that he did. <laughs> or, or realize that he was a good defensive player all along and that <laughs> it doesn't really matter what uh, he does. But he did accurate. light up Bean last year in the spectrum. Okay, the other thing, so... I'm pretty hard on Brock Miller. I don't know who I've been more hard on. George Yang, Tony Bradley, or Brock Miller, but it's pretty close. Neck and neck, we'll say. And uh, Brock all of a sudden decides to hit six threes yesterday. And a person who wants to adopt Brock into their family but can't is a a diehard Brock family. He texts Nora show often, or at least texts me often. And dude, after every three or every good thing that Brock did, it was, hey... Can't wait to hear about Brock tomorrow on the show. Hey, you're going to talk about Brock scoring 20 on the show? Hey, you know what? Eric is always complimentary of Brock. Why can't you be too? Can't wait for the show tomorrow, AJ. <laughs> I mean, I'm just trying to be real with you all. All right? And maybe I do jinx it. Maybe I'm, I'm not the ringmaster. I'm the jinxer. Okay? Jazz are up 3-1. Keep the receipts. Jazz losing 7 Braves are up 2-3-1. Braves won the World Series. Going to the World Series. Still got a game five. Still going. Game seven, we lose to the Dodgers. So maybe not the ringmaster or the de- definitely not the deflator. Maybe, Eric, I should be introduced as the jinxer. The jinxer. Or jinxy. 
Like, like uh, meet the parents, the little cat. Jinxie. Jinxie. Could you call me Jinxie from now on, actually? That'd be great. 9315. Text in and let me know if you like Jinxie more than Ringmaster. We'll, we'll hit it up. Meow. <laughs> Meow. Uh, 9463. What are we doing? I think Eric is 100% right in that, well, if you're winning all these conference games by 10 or 20 points, we don't really need a guy to hit a clutch basket, end quote. But it's just having a guy that can create his own offense in the last key moment that they need. Like, if they make the NCAA tournament and get mashed up against a solid top 25 team, well, uh, like Texas Tech or Wisconsin, and our system just isn't working as well against these high-level talent teams, we need a guy who can create individually. Uh, not a red flag yet, more just a pink one. I, That's a good point. That's well said. Uh, but who is that guy is the question, man. I think my point, and to yours too, is that there are multiple guys who may be able to do that. Ashworth has shown that he doesn't care. He's he's got ice going through his veins. He'll put up a contested shot and and make it. Um, Brock's hitting now. Uh, be great if he could stay consistent like that through these pressure packed uh, games in the in an NCAA tournament type situation. I think Marco has that ability. Certainly, if. Uh, um, uh, if you're going with a second unit, Alfonso Anderson has times where he can do that. But is there one specific guy that, hey, it's uh, all hands on deck, but we know this guy can get us at least two points right now in this crazy pressure-filled situation. Who are we going to? That's a fair point. Uh it's not a red flag yet, just a pink one. Maybe. Who's who's going to be the guy who takes over in the clutch? As this team concept, they haven't needed to do that. But I'll go back to how they finished out San Diego State on Saturday afternoon. Yeah. They didn't need one guy to take over in the clutch. They ran their system. They ran their offense. So, Eric, let me ask you, uh, as we get to the – um. Oh, by the way, six eight four three says Anthony can get a bucket at any time. Just needs to finish them. I love That's the big boy, but I love the big boy basketball that he plays. Oh man, it is fun to watch. He is willing to just beat, get beaten up, and be beat up, and beat other people up to get a board. I just, I love the way he plays basketball. Um, and and like he, but he's right. Just finish at the rim. Like he's he's getting space. He's getting the clearance to the hoop. Just got to finish. And he had a, I think he had an and one bucket that he probably should have finished, uh, or a tip and that he missed and then got it back and then couldn't finish on the foul. Yeah, he's he's getting there though. I, I I'm enjoying watching Marco Anthony play. That three point shot is weird though. <laughs> oh man, I think of anyone uh, uh, on that team, and I I kind of hate to have to disqualify Nimi. Okay. But I think you kind of have to, because he can't just go out there and create his own shot. Yeah, that's true. Um, he has some ball handling ability, but still. Um, so I, I think of anybody else on that team. Right now, I'm leaning to Marco. Marco would be that guy. If you have to get a bucket, you have to be able to create offense. One guy in a clutch situation. Who are you going to go to? Right now, I'd lean to Marco Anthony more than anybody else. Mm, wow. 
I just man, if 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 Roy can see just a couple go in consecutively, like back to back, be great. It'd be awesome. I, mean, I, I put I Ashworth ahead of Raleigh right now. I would too. I would too. Um, if Raleigh can get a couple to go in, maybe three in a row, man, he could. God, he could get there. I really think so. I think we're we are on the fringe of seeing great Raleigh Wooster play. I, I I like what I'm seeing from. I him. don't know if you were here. Uh, I think I got this text after you had left. Okay. Um, who reminds you more of Jared Quayle, Raleigh Wooster, oh. or Stephen Ashworth? Oh, Raleigh. Just a bigger body type. Um, I think Ashworth, and, and I can't read, I'll have to go back and look because it's been forever, but I think Ashworth defensively is is outside of Quell's realm and in, in, in the hemisphere, but I think like Raleigh's right in line with that. I really, I think Raleigh's right there. Good shooter, good passer, balance on both sides of it. Um, stout. Uh, I, I think Raleigh fits more of the Quell package. I think Quell was a better offensive player than Raleigh is. But I think everything else about Raleigh and how he plays and just the body type, I think you're right. I think that is probably a little bit closer to a Jared Quell. Yeah. Yeah. Jared was a good ball player, too. My yeah, goodness. I forgot how good he was. I Very solid. Never sought the attention for himself. But, man, he made his team better when yeah. he was on the court. Hey, let me ask you, Eric. Um, as we get further into Mountain West Conference play, we're not in the dog days yet. I think we'll get there in February. Uh, BJ Reigns, we've had on our show, the Idaho Press, has, has, has put out a couple articles. And he put out some comments yesterday. I first want to get your thoughts and our wonderful listeners' thoughts on these comments from BJ Reigns. And again, you can text in at 435 339 so a couple things he states are talking about just the schedule itself um let's see here gotta find it i'm sorry now i just had it and i lost it. okay there we go uh utah state's in prime position to at least get a share of the regular season title Schedule certainly worked out in its favor this year. Aggies get San Diego State, Colorado State, Nevada, all in Logan this year. They traveled to Boise but got other three top teams all at home. And then someone replied, well, yeah, but we still have to go to your house for the end of the year. And then he said, Boise State would trade going to Utah State and getting those other three teams at home. Agree or disagree? Colorado State, San Diego State, and Nevada? All at home. But and but you would have to go on the road, but you get Boise State at your place. Um, what's Boise's rec? Uh, what's their home? They haven't lost yet. No, but what's their oh, home, their home schedule? Oh, uh, they've got San Diego State at home. No, they're at San Diego State. Excuse me. The so week they, after us, their home team. They're at Nevada, though. The teams that come to Boise were New Mexico. Air Force, Fresno, UNLV, and Utah State. Yep, so they go to Colorado State, Nevada, and San Diego State. And then he says, the two-game series were going to be unfair regardless, but comparing Boise State's home road to Utah State is crazy. It was definitely one-sided, and it means more with Utah State allowing fans, even though none of the rest of the Mount West Conference is allowed. 
Yeah, but who would have predicted Colorado State would be a top three team? Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, who would have predicted Nevada? And Nevada, especially, because they lost their best player. Yeah, where they'd be. So, in, in the middle of the season, it's convenient to whine about a schedule. At the start of the year, I thought, oh, man, Utah State, uh, they, they've got a tough road trip. Because mm-hmm. you think, man, they go back to UNLV next week, Fresno State the following week, come back home, and then we play who, Nevada, I think, or Wyoming? Aggies go to UNLV and Fresno, and then they come home for Wyoming before heading back to on the road for Boise. Yeah. That's, I mean, and it's not been easy for them. I mean, the short turnarounds and such, that, those are tough. Like, you, you, you play an emotional series with, with San Diego State, and then well, turn well, right around and time, play Colorado State. By the time they play Colorado State tomorrow night, that's four games in seven days. Yeah. Yep. Against top-level teams in the Mountain West. I don't know what Boise's crying about. And then they, uh, and then his comment about the, uh, it's so crazy because John Hartwell tweeted a photo about the fans and his appreciation for them and the effort from uh, the fans, which was great, by the way, uh, from our fan base. I thought they were awesome. BJ says, so crazy to see, for me to see this. Knowing it'll be an extra or empty extra mile arena to watch Boise State tomorrow night, tonight, I should say, not saying they should or shouldn't have fans, but having it not be the same for everyone around the Mount West Conference just seems odd. Dude, it's it's all about what is the situation like in your community. Yeah. It's it's yeah. It's not up to the the Mount West Conference was very clear. Your state and local health department will make that decision. Yeah. And actually, credit to Boise State fans, they kind of told them that. They're like, well, look, they're being safe and they're distancing. Why can't we? It's not, <laughs> I think one of them said, not it's, rocket it's science. Not, it's not, uh, yeah. Um, and then, <laughs> speaking of which, someone uh, came out and said, uh, well, that they have favored, that the Mount West Conference wanted to favor the two preseason, you know, favorites in the pool. And I was like, and so I, I, I responded to that person. I said, because uh, he, or sorry, let me read it. It's, it's a Colorado State writer. Go figure. Uh, he said, we knew the league was always going to favor the two teams that had the best chance to make the tournament on paper in preseason. Meanwhile, Colorado State gets Boise State at home, but ended up with Utah State, the Aztecs, Wolfpack, and Wyoming, which is their biggest rival, all on the road. And then I said, quote-unquote, best chance to make the tournament on paper in a preseason? I'm like, check the preseason polls. Utah State definitely was not one of those teams. That honor went to Boise State and San Diego State. The fact that the Aggies are in this position is a surprise. And then Justin responded and said, yeah, I don't care about preseason polls. <laughs> and he says, USU is coming off back-to-back okay. tournament appearances. Have they outperformed their expectations? Yes, but nobody thought they'd be a bad team. I said, but you said that the Mount West Conference would favor the best two teams on paper in preseason. I'm just telling you that wasn't Utah State. Justin responds, Utah State and San Diego State have been the top two teams in the league post-Musselman at Nevada. Um, not sure why you're dragging this over or dragging this out over one spot in the preseason pool. That counts for nothing. You just told me it was preseason, man. <laughs> he says why it mattered. Anyways, I just It's look, hard when you use their own words against them sometimes. Yes, and you've never done that to me. <laughs> um nine four six three in terms of betting, I think home court advantage with fans is probably a seven to eight point advantage. Wow. Uh, wow. Uh, Whereas this year, it's maybe only two or three point advantage with no fans. 
So home games, I really don't think, are that much of a huge difference this year. So yeah, USU lucked out getting two home games against three of the top four teams, but eh, not much of an advantage this year with no loud arenas. And again, dude, that league title, Eric, could be decided with Boise State against Utah State at Boise State. I'm telling you right now, it, what you asked the Broncos, come that day, come those two games that week, hey, would you still like to trade Nevada-San Diego State and whoever else, one more team, Colorado State, and go on the road, or excuse me, play them at home, but then come to Utah State, you would trade it for that now? Yeah. Guarantee their answer would change in a yeah. heartbeat. Oh, it's ridiculous. Sorry, that's just my own agenda vent, but I don't know. I could be wrong, but I always thought that uh, home home court, home field always counted for about three points. I never I never heard it as aggressive as seven to eight. But, you, I mean, you can see where the spectrum can make a difference, all right? I mean... Yeah, it it does make a difference when you even if they're a limited number, at least there's some energy in the arena that's real, that's authentic, that's not manufactured just through the speakers. It's honest reactions. It's the fight song. It's the winning team, losing team chant. It's the I believe that we will win chant. Though the the players feed off of that, even if it's not in, at normal capacity, that does make a difference. But that's not Utah State's fault. That's not the Mountain West's fault. That's according to the guidelines that are out there for the local health department. So if you don't have that where you're at, that's, sorry, go cry me a river somewhere else because <laughs> don't need it around here. Yeah. It has nothing to do with Utah State, Craig Smith, and his players. Amen. You play, you play the games that are out there and play it in front of you. Yeah, and then and that's the thing is, look, you still got to go win them. doesn't matter where you're playing them. You still got to go win them. And, and by the way, Boise State does have a brutal at the end of the stretch. You got to think about it, man. They go to Nevada. They go to Colorado State. They come, home for, uh, they come home for Utah State and then finish with San Diego State at San Diego State. Uh, yeah, Boise State... That, and second half of the stretch, what do they got? So they've got Fresno at home this week. Yep. Then they travel to Fort Collins. This is where the it Rams. gets tough, yep. Then they travel to Reno, come home for UNLV, uh, host the Aggies, and then they finish at San Diego State. Fresno, UNLV, those shouldn't really be a challenge. No. For them. No. Meanwhile, we by the way, we're playing Nevada the week we play, before we play Boise State. Yeah. So, I mean, should we get everybody has to play a tough yeah, schedule. Yeah, I mean, are we should, should we get Nick Picky here cuz we can. We can play that game, it's fine. Just kind of bothered me that they're like, "Oh, well, you know, it's schedule didn't work out in our favor and it's worked out in Utah State." I would baloney. No way. That's crazy. All right, got to take another time out here in the Full Court Press. Uh, Region 11 basketball is in action tonight. We'll tell you who's playing where, how you can follow along, and uh, we'll recap what happened for the Utah Jazz last night. Nice win over the New Orleans Pelicans. Jazz are on pace to set a pretty impressive NBA record. We'll talk about that coming up next in the Full Court Press. It's the Full Court Press, weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan.
Utah Jazz, nice win last night over the Pelicans, 118-102. to Donovan Mitchell came out firing early with 15 first-quarter points, finished with 28, and seven rebounds, by the way. He had an assist that was insane. Driving to the basket, gets basically caught underneath the basket in midair, reaches around, I don't know who it was in the post for New Orleans, and then kicks the ball out to Boyan Bogdanovich, who's wide open at the top of the key for a three. It was like spidey senses. He knew he was even there. He couldn't have seen him because of all the tall guys in the middle. But it was impressive. That was amazing. So Jazz uh, had a nice job uh, getting past uh, the, the Pelicans. 21 three-pointers. This Jazz team has developed into the NBA's top three-point shooting team. Yeah. Uh, what's the number you were talking about? You said you have a number. I'm trying to verify. Oh, you're still it. looking at it? Are you yeah. trying to verify? Well, they said it on SportsCenter, and I've been trying to find it ever since. But it's basically a 20 or more three-point shots made per game. Jazz have already done that multiple times this season, early season. Uh, it's the fourth time in Utah's <laughs> six-game winning streak that they've made at least 20 shots from three. Good one. And um, let's see, the the Jazz now lead the NBA in three-pointers made per game at 16.5. They rank fourth in percentage. They are the only team in the league hitting at least 40% of at least 40 attempts per game. But you know what ESPN Stats and Info wanted to tweet out about the game? Zion Williamson had 32 points in the loss to the Jazz on 73% field goal shooting. He's the youngest player in NBA history with consecutive games of 30 points on at least 70% field goal percentage. He's also the first player to do this all in Pelicans history with purple shoes, no socks, and only sweat dripping down the right side of his arm (laughs) while he's shooting with the left. I mean, for the love of all that is good. Didn't they also point out that it's uh, in losing efforts? No, they didn't even put that out there. Well, yeah, did they? I, I think they know. did. Hey, uh, 2776, I thought Kedis passed a Bearstow would be the assist of the night, and then Mitchell had to go and do that. That was a pretty sweet assist. I can't remember the assist we're talking about. Uh, it was down low in the post, and he kind of jumps up over everybody and Kicks it out. It was a inside-out oh, yeah. play, and Barristow popped the three. We doesn't need to jump, though. You're seven-foot-something. Just stand, turn, throw the ball. Don't make it harder than you need to. It was a great pass, It though. is impressive, though. Yeah, that was a, that was a really – his passing is just elite now. As Curious George likes to find out every <laughs> press conference that we have <laughs> – <laughs> Some of his questions that he asked, you'd think it'd be this Dude. really big feature article based on it, and then you never see anything never see about anything it. Of it. But he sure is curious. <laughs> I can't believe that thing stuck to me now. Every time I see, I, I saw, I, I saw Curious George last night, and that was the very first thought that came to me. <laughs> and then he said hello to me, and I was like, I um, "Hi, how are you? I hope you're well." <laughs> um. Anyways, yeah, no. Uh, t- yeah, look, the Jazz look good. 
Uh, Three-point shooting's been key. Bajanovic is, is is getting back to it, which is good. Uh, what was the, do, you have, do you have the lines by chance? For the Jazz? Yeah. I do. Give me uh, give me a couple that stand out to you, will you? I mean, yeah, even starters or bench, whatever you want. Uh, well. What was Ingles? Ingles off the bench in 19 minutes, 15 points. He was a plus 12. Wow. Three boards, two assists, and a block. You said plus 12? Yeah. Wow. Huh. Uh, Jordan Clarkson is just... He's got to be the front runner for a six man. Yeah, I, I and I saw highlight takes sense to the game. Boy, he loves. He has no fear going to the rim, does he? No, he just he'll take it at you. I love it. Well, the other thing too, it's not just all scoring. Uh, he's improved his game where he's doing other things. Six boards and six assists last hmm. night. Hmm. How is Bojanovic? How did he do? Uh, Boyan was three from eight from deep. Oh. Seven boards, three assists, one steal. Finished with 11 points. Not bad. No. So what, this is a five-game or six-game winning streak now that they're on? Uh, I believe that's six. Rudy Gobert, 18 rebounds, an assist, a steal, three blocks. He had a great block on Zion um, and uh, finished with 13 points. I like it. Where, where you we and at? I were paying cl- very close attention to the Aggies, so we weren't able to really no, I, yeah. monitor this one. We got, and we I'd both be curious if anybody did watch the Jazz and how they felt like things were going there. I, I was curious to know if the Jazz would ever go with Derek and Rudy on the court at the same time against a big lineup. Did they? Because New Orleans is one of those teams that you might have to do that. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know if they did. Huh. Brandon Ingram has given them fits in the past, but uh, he's got yeah, he and he's just held him too. pretty well in check. I mean, he still scored seventeen points, but he was a minus eighteen. Yeah, but the, the problem court. is, is he scored seventeen, but I mean, what was his efficiency rating doing it? Yeah, he was eight for eighteen. Yeah, I mean that's not. Yeah, it's a lot to get seventeen. All right, got a quick, uh, uh, got a quick, got a quick a take break. Got a quick take. Got, got a deep diaper. <laughs> Region eleven <laughs> basketball. We'll get to that quickly. Coming up next to the full court press. Phrasing. It doesn't matter who you root for. The Full Court Press has all the high school sports covered. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Eric France and Ajay Salveson with you as we close up our shop here. and We'll hand it off to Fox Sports Radio for a little bit, but then coming up uh, about 645, high school basketball tonight. In Region 11. Really big showdown here on the fan later tonight. It's going to be Skyview and Logan. The game will be played in Smithfield. And our good friend, Hall of Famer, Al Lewis, actually will be on the call. And uh, Hurricane John Newbold, still a little bit under the weather, so from what I understand. So Al Lewis will be on that call. That'll be here on, on the fan and also on KVNU, two different places to catch that game. Um, in uh, Garland, it's going to be Box Elder hosting Ridgeline. That'll be on 104 The Ranch. 104.9 in Box Elder County for the Bear River coverage. 104.5 in Cache County for the Riverhawks. I'm looking forward to that game, by coverage. the way. That's going to be a good one. Should be. Uh, and then the other game to watch for Mountain Crest uh, hosting Green Canyon tonight on 107.7 FM with AJ Knight and 100.9 FM. Two different places to catch that one. Um, but Last week, I was shocked with the, all this, 
the the uh, margins of victory. Uh, that all of all the games are blowouts. Yeah, and I'll be curious to see if tonight holds the same. I think the biggest matchup is is here on the fans, Skyview and Logan. Those are the two. Top find teams out Logan's for play. real, right? I mean, Logan Brown's got something cooking over there, and they're on a nice little run, and they've been playing well. Biggest challenge up to this point of the season is tonight. Yeah, it, you know, Skyview opened as a top team in RPI. Then Logan moved ahead of them. Now Skyview has gone back up in front of Logan going into this week. So, uh, yeah, interesting to see how this all plays out. Um, but, uh, yeah, th- these are fun games to, as they're now into region play and uh, a lot of different places to, to tune in and, and follow these games. Uh, girls play tomorrow, and then the, the boys pick things up again on Friday. Um, and tomorrow, speaking of tomorrow, we're going to be breaking down Utah State and Colorado State round two. Our keys are what might be different, what kind of adjustments we think might be made get into our pick six, and uh, start looking into the uh, the NFL playoff weekend and uh, let's get the updates on Patrick Mahomes. If he goes, how much of a difference does that make, or will it ma- even matter if he's available or not for the Chiefs? Um, so anyway, a lot of different things to get through tomorrow. Uh, love the text that came through today. Great interaction as always. Thank you to all of our listeners, wherever you may be and however you may be listening. And uh, even if you weren't listening live on, on our podcast, we appreciate it. I love the feedback, and uh, tomorrow we'll be getting to some of the keys. And love to get your thoughts too. Like, what's what's your score predictions, and what kind of adjustments do the Aggies need to make to uh, to make it a clean sweep over the Rams? Thanks, everybody. Have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow.